Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Well, welcome to another edition of the Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio, and we are delighted to have uh, Alan Cassie as our guest for today. Alan, um, well, I'm going to read something because Alan's had an exciting couple of days here uh, at Congress. Uh, let's just, before we get into anything, uh, Alan, let me just read um, the headline, if you will. You are the recipient of the American College of Healthcare Executives 2019 Robert S. Hudgens Memorial Award for Young Healthcare Executive of the Year. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, by the very way. Very humbled and honored, but appreciate it. You got it. You got it. Okay, let me just read a little bit more uh, about uh, about you. Um, you are currently the CEO uh, of Capital Regional Medical Center in Tallahassee, Florida. Before that, you were the COO of Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center in Las Vegas. We're going to talk a little bit about what you did there and what you had to go through uh, there. But again, congratulations on, on the honor. What was it like? When did you find out? Let's start with uh, that. So uh, President Bowen called me, I guess, the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. I was actually out uh, in the yard raking leaves at my parents-in-law's house, and then I had to sit down a little bit and uh, make sure <laughs> make sure I was understanding what was uh, being communicated. That you heard it right. Yeah, no, it was a high honor. Uh, still one of those things where you don't really understand why, but very grateful to the college and I think a, a representation of all the mentorship and leadership I've experienced in my career so far. Uh, and, and so that was right before Thanksgiving, you said, yeah. right? Correct. And here we are in March, early March. So you had a lot of time to maybe to reflect yeah. on, and it was, so what, in the last couple of months when you thought about this, in all humility, what, what were some of the thoughts? Yeah, one of the first thoughts, I go back, and I referenced this yesterday in my comments, and uh, Dr. Ken White, uh, who received this year's Gold Medal Award, which is a, the highest honor we that met him ACG, yesterday. Yes, uh, can bestow, was actually my professor. So 13 years ago at Virginia Commonwealth University, he was uh, the one who inspired me to run for class president, and I'd never really led anything in my life. And uh, that experience, I say, sparked a flame for leadership that's really grown. So that it was kind of reflecting back on where I started, and I that experience was, uh, was evident. And ACHE's been there for me ever since uh, I started as a student. So I started out as a student affiliate, but because Dr. White encouraged me to join, and kind of been with the organization ever since. How ironic is that? Okay, so 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 Mr. White encouraged you way back when at VCU, yep. right? Uh, you 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 ran for class president? Yeah, class president. Uh, so I got to run our uh, MHA class. Uh, I see. Uh, but really it's instilled me a great desire for leadership. And, uh, you know, and, and you never know who or how someone's going to inspire you. And he was that for me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I thought it was... Very fitting if on our Facebook page for uh, VCU, there's a picture of us 13 years ago at his home, mm-hmm. and then here we are 13 years later, uh, both receiving awards. That's what I was going to uh, say. Great organization. On back to back days, yeah. he gets the gold medal, you get the Hudgens Award. Uh, that is unbelievably yeah. ironic. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a really sweet moment for yes. both of us. Great. So. That, that's again, congratulations. That, that's wonderful. Um, talk about, okay, um, can I, okay, you're a young man. Yeah. You're, you, you've accomplished so, so much, okay? To, uh, just let's, you know, usually I ask, the, ask this at the end. I want to ask it now. Um, to anybody listening out there that might be about your age, that's 
desiring to maybe follow in, in, in what you've accomplished so far? I know there's a lot more to go, but in what you've accomplished so far, what are your pieces of advice? Obviously, get a mentor. I know that. You get someone like Mr. White. But what else can you tell people out there? Yeah, I think the biggest opportunity is to take personal accountability for what you want in your career and where you want to go. And ultimately, that personal accountability is reflected upon your giving back to the community, to the organization, to other folks that you work with. And that's always been my my attitude is to care about the employee that's I'm sitting with, care about the physician I'm sitting with, get involved through the Heart Association or March of Dimes or other organizations that care about the community I'm in. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, becoming a leader is you leading uh, in many ways, your people, your teams, the organization, and the community. And so it's kind of how uh, I think anyone can can grow mm-hmm. uh, and really accelerate accelerate that. Because when you're young, you really don't know yourself. You don't know your capability or your competencies. Uh, but I think through the act of actually leading, you, you start to learn those things and they grow over time. But it's, and I, if I hear you right, it's how you lead, mm-hmm. right? Because there's so many smart people out there sure. that check off all those boxes on that side, right? But they might wonder well, how come they're not uh, being entertained as with a job that they want, maybe in a C-suite, right? And maybe it's that self-awareness and that humility. And just someone said a few days ago, it's just being nice. Yeah. It's better than being smart. Yeah, my my philosophy is you care about the person in front of you. So it's your employee, the patient, and everyone's different. And I think uh, I just spoke to the young careerist uh, panel, uh, kind of the early careerist uh, breakfast here at ACHE, and one of the big things I encourage younger folks to do is take personality tests, mm. take emotional intelligence uh, tests, and ACHE offers some of those great resources. Because the more you know yourself, you know how you deal with stress, you know how you deal with conflict, you know how you deal with uh, tough situations, uh, the more you can overcome gaps in your competency and really lead through those times. So young uh, executives have a great opportunity to take all these inventories, reflect on them, and then know where you can grow from them. Mm-hmm. So that's something I did really early on in my career. I think that's a, a real benefit. What about, and you know, we just did a podcast with, with Chuck Stokes and what, what a role model that gentleman is. And I would think uh, along with learning about yourself, what you just said, the self-awareness, take those personality tests, do that. But also, like he said, he thought it was so important, not every six months, certainly not every year, but maybe even every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, to get feedback from your yeah. direct boss, right? To get, because it's, it's, I, it's one thing to have self-awareness about yourself, yeah. but then you have to see how other people are seeing you. Yeah, but right? one of the best things, a 360 degree evaluation, if you get those periodically, you know, every six months, once a year, it, your boss evaluates you, your staff evaluates you, other trusted colleagues, and it's uh, you know great uh, opportunity to get unfiltered feedback. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a systematic way. But I think the other thing that I've benefited from, and, and as Mr. Stokes referenced, having a leader that cares about you and uh, is going to be your quote-unquote mentor, but ultimately it's, it go back to that word care about you individually to give you the feedback. Uh, and I think it's incumbent upon young professionals to solicit it. Okay. As he mentioned, uh, yes. we're you know in the C-suite, you're busy, you're running around doing a lot of things. Uh, but I love when folks come and ask for feedback or ask for input. And same thing with me, I go to my uh, boss now and ask for feedback and input, and don't sometimes wait for that to come. 
So I think it's incumbent upon us to uh, actually take the initiative and do that. And I guess it's much tough. Well, obviously, it's much tougher. If they have someone has a personality sort of, I would think, like yourself, it might be easier to have that caring. Mm-hmm. But everybody's different, like you said. So if you don't, if you didn't maybe have those, that, that, that emotion, those skill sets that are prevalent, you have to learn to acquire those, right? Yeah. And that could be a tough thing. Yeah, so I, I, another question I get frequently is how do you build resiliency? Mm-hmm. I think one of the best ways is in situations like that where you're not exactly in an environment or with a, a leader that maybe you're not connecting with or clicking with and uh, where you don't feel that comfort. But that's how you learn to internalize and grow through that and build resiliency to one, know what kind of leader you will be and how that impacts you in your future. And two, you have to navigate through it, not run away from it. Mm-hmm. That's my big uh, encouragement because I see a lot of folks run from conflict, run from tough situations, but you got to stay in it. And actually, that's how you become a better leader yeah. uh, long term. But again, that's tough to do that. you gotta, uh, you got to stare that right in the eye, right, mm-hmm. and have that courage. Yep. That no fear and, and move ahead, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk, and, and I guess that segues perfectly into it. Let, let's talk about, your, in, again, right now you're currently the CEO of the Capital Regional Medical Center in Tallahassee. I want to ask you about currently what's going on there and how, how, yeah. how things are going. But I want to ask you, and it, it's a perfect time to do that um, because of what you just said, about your, your, your former uh, job, the CEO of the Sunrise Hospital and Medical Center in Las Vegas. How long were you there? So there were about three years in Las Vegas, and Sunrise is a great organization, both part of HCA, mm-hmm. uh, about 700-bed hospital and large referral uh, regional tertiary facility there in the heart of Vegas, yeah. right off the Strip. Right there. Uh, so we, yeah. we had a lot of visitors. One, one little claim to fame is we had uh, patients from all 50 states. Uh, visit Sunrise because we oh. had a lot of lot of lot of folks come to Vegas of for various reasons. Yes, for various reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you were there. What what years? Uh, 2015 to 2018. Okay, so you were there uh, the the tragedy a few years back with the shooting. Yep. Um, just if if you will, and, and as, as much as you want to talk about it, just tell me how that day was, and 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 the subsequent days, and how you led, sure. how you led, because I would imagine your hospital was flooded. Yeah, right? so it was uh, you know, a very traumatic time, I think, for our nation. Yes. I would say that. I mean, largest mass shooting in U.S. No history question. with over 500 folks uh, injured and uh, many, many victims. Um, I was administrator on call. It was a Sunday night, like any other night, going to bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I got a call from the nursing supervisor that there was a mass casualty uh, going off on the radio with the police scanners. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately in Vegas, we get that a lot uh, where there's things, not necessarily a mass casualty, but some kind of traumatic event. Uh, so kept going to bed yeah. until then I had a uh, director who was at the, the um, Route 91 Harvest Festival call me. And when she described what she saw in that moment, just the chaos and the, the, uh, the carnage, uh, she, I knew this was real. So I immediately went to the hospital I was there in the trauma bay all night as we had over 230 patients come mm. in about uh, three hours. 124 had gunshot wounds, so it's it's almost as if you had 124 level one, class one traumas, which requires the immediate response from a multidisciplinary team uh, to the trauma bays all at once. So obviously not something we've ever experienced, uh, but how do we lead through it is the same way. I think you were using the word courage earlier uh, but you got to stand in the middle of it and help bring some semblance of order and direction to the chaos 
Uh, and you do that through relationships that I built over time. So I called all my physicians, I called all the surgeons, we called everyone we could to come in. And, and because of the culture we had at Sunrise, we had nurses who heard it, saw it, weren't even called and drove in just to help. So that night, uh, through the sheer display of, I call humanity, uh, we all just jumped in and did what we do could do to save save the uh, save the lives of the victim. And, and obviously, there's no and you you mentioned this. There's no way to prepare yourself for that type uh, of carnage, right? And that, but in a way, and in a very distinct way, you did prepare your hospital for that, sure. right? Go. You didn't know this was going to happen, but the culture that you instilled, right? Yep. That's how you guys were able to hold it together and get things done. Yeah, no. I, when I pick up the phone at you know eleven o'clock at night and I call the surgeon who's not on call, is he or she going to respond? They all responded, mm-hmm. and I think that's the relationship you have with your physicians, your medical staff, the nurses, where there's a broader purpose that we're there to serve the patient, yeah. regardless of any other issues. And that theme and that culture, I think, was put on display in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm very proud, uh, even in a very traumatic event, to say that 196 folks left to see their families, to spend Thanksgiving with their loved ones, uh, despite you know all, all the folks that were injured. So really proud of the team. And it wasn't me. Uh, we, were, we were together uh, all night and the next day caring for for folks and for families. So we had 400 family members and loved ones congregate in the ER lobby. I was going to ask you about that. On. How did you navigate, how did you manage that? So our, our CEO, Todd Sklamberg, did an amazing job communicating with them. We kind of moved them to one area, and then he personally would take information back and forth. As soon as we knew what was going on and we had a connection to a family member, he would go and communicate to that uh, family directly. And so hearing from the CEO, uh, one-on-one, face-to-face, and a traumatic time That's like something. that was absolutely critical yeah. as well. And then we had FBI, you know, everywhere because uh, it was kind of an active crime scene and mm-hmm. just a very tense situation. But, again, the entire team, the staff, the physicians united to care for the patients. How often do you look back on that, maybe that night or days following that? Yeah, honestly, it's been one of those things this, this past October – in uh, Florida, we had Hurricane Michael, and then we also had other hurricanes uh, mm-hmm. in the past. And unfortunately, you use a lot of the same skill sets uh, to be able to navigate through that, ensuring that everyone is safe through that event. Uh, we had a couple hospitals that were evacuated, making sure those patients were triaged and brought into other hospitals effectively. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where, as uh, healthcare leaders, we have to be there for our community 24-7, 365, mm-hmm. hurricane, no hurricane. Uh, tragedies, non-tragedies, we have to be there. So I do reflect on it often and actually have, uh, you know, in, a, in, a, in one way learned and helped lead my current organization through uh, other hard times because of it. And, and that's another thing that, that Mr. Stokes was saying is you always learn. You're always learning. You know, you, you think, oh, I went through that, so I'm ready for anything. But no, you have to continue. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Adjust it as you move on. Okay, so let, let's transition into... Um, Capital Regional Medical Center. Yeah. Uh, so you got there when? Uh, one year ago in March. One year yeah. ago in March. Yeah. Okay. And so this is the first CEO Correct. position yeah. for yeah. you. Tell me, okay, um, how, how difficult was it for you to, to, to approach that 
and get in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, so it's a great opportunity because I was a COO there before Sunrise, so I kind of got to go back. And oh, okay. So it's been I somewhat of a smooth transition. Sure, because you knew some folks there, yeah, obviously. Yes. Uh, the, the, the challenge, I think, for anybody that's grown up as an operator uh, and you know the technical details mm-hmm. is to put that hat away and let your COO do that job and then put on the how tough, CEO how hat. How tough is that? Mr. It's Stokes pretty, talked about that again. Pretty, pretty hard. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty hard when you grow up in the technical skill set. And so the transition point for me from COO to CEO is really, again, broadening my view of the community and broadening relationships outside the hospital. And mm-hmm. so that's been uh, an exciting thing. Uh, I sit on the Chamber of Commerce and try to really ensure that the hospital is an organization that's aligned with the community to grow and flourish. And I think that's been a that's been a transition point, but one that's been been fun to do. Yeah. Uh, and the hospital is doing really well. We're growing and adding uh, new services, recruiting physicians, and uh, one point of pride is our nursing turnover has gone from 30% down to 11 in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, no, why is that? A, a lot of different reasons, but I think this, the theme we talked about earlier is culture, uh, leadership culture, understanding what their needs are, engaging that specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the region. Uh, We've really been able to retain uh, nurses, which has been absolutely critical to achieving any agenda. Of course, yeah. The the buy-in, okay, so now you're you're still relatively uh, early in your your CEO of of Capital Regional. How, and and obviously it's worked with the nurses, how do you get everyone to buy in and, and, and get on that same page where like you said, it's it's you're preparing for something in the future where you don't have to worry. You know they're going to be there. How do you do that? Yeah, I think the absolute role of us as leaders is in a lot of ways we're we're communicators. Mm-hmm. So we we have a mission statement, we have our visions, we have our tactical objectives, but ensuring that 1,200 employees, 400 physicians know them is really what we spend all of our time on yeah. as leaders. So we do town halls 14 times every quarter. We have a lot of newsletters. We teach orientation. Uh, one exciting thing we've, we've done recently to reinforce it is we actually sit back down with all employees at 30 or 60 days, and then we directly communicate with them on uh, the strategy, the vision, whatever we're working on. Oh, wow. And through all these mechanisms, it's really for them to hear from us, but also to, for us to hear from them. Because mm-hmm. when we know what they need to be successful, equipment, staff, process, uh, we can engage those and change it. And then there's a loop. When they see us caring about them and actually doing something about it, uh, and they hear from us the vision, we all are on the same page and, and buy in. So I think that, that's been the kind of the success is being transparent, open, and multiple, multiple, multiple points of communication. Uh, you can never say it enough or post it enough or email it enough mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that folks understand. Well, now I know exactly why the nurse turnover rate went down, yeah. just by what you just said, right? Okay, yeah. that, that's great. That's wonderful. What are some of the, what are some of your goals, the Capital Regional, as, we, as you know, in the next year, in the next five years? So I think a lot of uh, the trends in healthcare that we've experienced here at the conference this year, and mm-hmm. I think it's elevated my thinking even more after sitting through several sessions, is the move to ambulatory care. Uh, you know, we're anchored by a hospital, but really the growth and the opportunity to reform healthcare, provide better healthcare seems to lie really primary care, urgent care, uh, ambulatory outside the hospital. So that's one thing I think we're gonna strategically uh, take away from this conference and have some pivot points on to make sure that we're investing in those 
those arenas as well as the hospital itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, at the end of the day, it's all about physician engagement and bringing new depth to the community. So continue to recruit physicians and specialties uh, that we can add uh, services to the community. Yeah. Uh, you just touched on this, though, uh, and just um, talk a little bit more about how important this Congress is, how important it is for you. I mean, because people say, well, you know, I'm the CEO. I don't need to sit in on this session. I know how important it is for someone like you, no matter the age. Yeah, well, I think to the point of uh, Mr. Stokes, if you heard his podcast, we all get in bubbles. I've been in uh, my company for 11 years, and so I have great resources and depth and understanding of how to operate within that environment. But every session I go to, I'm challenged by the thinking of a different leader and a different organization. So I think that's the key as a leader and executive is to never get uh, myopic and get a one train mindset Mm -hmm. because you close yourself off to possibilities. The theme of innovation this year I thought was really enlightening uh, from the first opening session, how we rethink and always innovate uh, any situation because there is a possibility, there is another side, there is a way to get it done. Uh, it, again, is a challenge point. So in a lot of ways, ACHE is a coach. Uh, it's many coaches from many different organizations, but I see it in that vein. It coaches me to be better. And so that's why I value the conference and the, the entire community. I started as a student associate uh, back when you got free uh, tuition if you helped out. Oh, okay. And been coming for many, many years. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. What? Um, last, let me ask you about, because, str- again, we keep going back to Mr. Stokes' podcast uh, and folks, if you didn't hear it, you just go back and find it because y- you need to listen to that podcast. Um, he was talking about, I asked him about the Baldridge. They won mm-hmm. the Baldridge twice under his leadership in two different places, yeah. 2006, 2017. But he was talking about the honor is great, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the pinnacle. It's the peak, right? It's the gold medal. But just striving to achieve something like that, it, that's what you need to do. Is mm-hmm. that obviously is that in your mind? Maybe not the award itself, but yeah. just striving to achieve no, what that takes. Yeah, no, I think we all want to uh, have organizations that have defined, meaningfully different quality, great experiences for patients, as he mentioned, uh, that are growing, that are thriving, so our communities can grow and thrive. Yeah. But it's built on the bedrock, and hopefully you've heard that from me, of employee and physician engagement. Without that, it is the cornerstone of anything we try to do on any other outcome measure. So absolutely, that's that's the, the expectation, the goal. Every patient deserves, and, and I even in some ways don't like the word patient. I, I Sometimes I substitute neighbor or family member, son, daughter, mom, dad. Mm-hmm. They deserve the best care every single time. Uh, and so if we kind of keep that, I bring it down to the personal level of accountability of who's interacting with that patient and caring for that patient in that moment. And if we all do excellent at that one opportunity or that one moment, then all of the uh, accolades and things will come. So I, I kind of boil it down to the personal accountability when no one's watching, when the door's shut, when the nurse call light's going off for the third time, when the cup of water's run out again, the IV pump's you know blaring. And what you do in that moment, I think, makes all the difference in the world of that patient and the family. And if we have a great experience there, all the accolades and the uh, the higher ambitions of awards will come. Well, Alan, it's very easy to see how how you have achieved 
so much at such thank a young you, age yeah. just by listening to you here in the in the last thank few you, minutes. Chris. We appreciate you being here, Alan. Thank you. See. Thank, thank you, you, sir. Continue success. Uh, the current CEO of Capital Regional Medical Center in Tallahassee, Florida. Folks, please subscribe to the Healthcare Executive Podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. I'm your host, Chris Garaggio. We'll see you next time.